You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're heading back into the topic of customer experience with a unique perspective. Many of us understand how critical customer experience is, but we fail to truly internalize how this is changing buying behaviors, expectations, the way individuals interact with brands, with sellers, with marketers. To tackle the topic today, we have with us Surrender Frost, Senior Director of Customer Services for DHL e-commerce. Surrender, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. So It's good to be on the show. Excellent. So before we jump in, we always like to ask just a little question to get to know you a little bit better. And right now, it's uh, the kind of the one we're going with is if you think about something that you're passionate about outside of work, some hobby or something, some way you like to spend your time, that people that you work with might be surprised to learn, would love to know what that hobby is and, and what you find so um, so resonating about it. I love doing lots of things, actually. Uh, Travel is one. But the thing that um, I think uh, people will not know about me is uh, I like to get involved with charity, primarily helping out uh, the young, the disadvantaged, as well as the elderly. I do help out once a month at a home uh, that helps people with mental challenges. And I find that very, very fulfilling because it, it gets you back to ground level Uh, thinking about the basics uh, and really about uh, helping your fellow human beings. It keeps you connected with with the humanity of everything. That's great. Uh, Absolutely. So, all right. So our topic today is is customer experience, but let's start with some uh, just kind of some context around your role at DHL e-commerce. Sure. So I've been with DHL a total of around about 29 years, uh, Chad, and mainly in the areas uh, of customer services, as we traditionally used to call customer experience at the time, customer services, contact centers, really about setting them up, uh, developing them, bringing them to world-class levels. And I've also done key account management, looking after the top 100 customers uh, for DHL, the express division in terms of pre and post sales, you know, looking after around about 750 million euros worth of revenue. So really supporting the customer. And I do enjoy, I think that's my calling (laughs) to to enjoy, uh, you know, interacting with the customer, understanding customers' requirements, whether they are difficult or not, and working through that process to get to a point where hopefully it's a win-win situation for the customer and for DHL as an organization. And so that's a, I mean, that's a pretty broad, I mean, 29 years, that's to be applauded. We don't hear that very often anymore. So congratulations (laughs) on that. Um, But I mean, that gives you a great perspective though, across how customer experience, at least from the organizational perspective, how DHL has changed their view of, of customer experience. Have you seen over the years that there's been an increase in the amount of focus that the organization has given to it or the funding that they've allotted for things that they believe will actually drive a greater customer experience? Absolutely, Chad. So when I joined customer service as a customer service agent in 1989, there was a very little thought, and I don't think it was purposefully done. There was very little thought about training, getting the right people, ensuring that they were 
fully capable before, you know, getting on the calls with customers. Today, I think a lot more thought, a lot more investment has gone in to ensuring that we get the right people with the right profiles, uh, with obviously the right uh, remuneration, the right training and onboarding that we do with our agents. And of course, the expectations of the agents is also more broad, right? Where before we would use, uh, you know, the agents would primarily take calls from customers. Today is more of an omni-channel approach where the agents are not only taking calls, but answering emails, doing live chats, responding to customers on Facebook and Twitter. So, you know, we need a little bit of a different breed of people uh, (laughs) answering these uh, questions uh, from the customers in this omni-channel approach. And I feel that certainly not only DHL, but the other organizations I've uh, interacted with the past uh, 15 to 20 years have really invested in the area uh, of customer services And, uh, you know, they feel that it is a differentiator. So it's no longer just uh, talk, uh, but they're putting their money where their mouth is and doing the right thing in terms of investing in customer services, customer experience, and ensuring that the customer gets the right, I would say, the right experience and the right value from the organization. Well, and it's almost today. I mean, it's you really don't have a choice, right? Customers, customers vote with their dollars, and yes. if you're not where they are when you want them there, or interacting in a way that makes sense from their perspective, it's very easy in some cases. I mean, unless it's a huge, long, multi-year contract, it's very easy mm-hmm. sometimes for customers to go other places. And so that every touch point, that omni-channel approach you mentioned, is so critical. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge though sometimes is organizations really have to believe in the customer experience in order. To aggressively, and maybe aggressively is not the right word. How about how about in a focused manner, work mm. to ensure that those omni-channel elements are all in line, and delivering a consistent experience that's true to the brand promise. Have you mm. seen that be kind of a challenge for DHL as more investment has gone in, as more channels to interact with customers have come online? Yes, I think uh, you know. Going back to your point a little, Chad, about customers these days, right? In the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. um, customers had one channel to contact an organization. <laughs> they they have multiple channels and platforms, and they are happy to voice out uh, their concerns and issues uh, online. And that's the reason why more and more organizations are investing in an omni-channel approach and getting the right people because the people are essential. The people are the ones who are going to be looking at the omni-channel contacts that the customer has, looking at the contacts of the issues that the customer has. And, you know, sometimes when we type something, we want to say something, but we might mean something else. So reading between the lines has become even more essential than before. But also prompt and proactive communication is also critical. And from an organizational perspective, you know, when we look at customer experience, it's about all of the touch points the customer has with an organization, be it DHL, be it Amazon, be it Apple, When the customer interfaces with the organization, either through the traditional manner of customer services, the contact center, or, you know, a courier delivering a package to you, or someone interfacing with 
a billing clerk or agent, all these manifest a certain experience in the customer's head. Organizations should not discount this. So they should look at the customer experience from a holistic perspective, from an organizational perspective, not just from a customer service and a contact center perspective. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time with organizations mapping customer journeys and touch points and, and friction points. And, and it's always interesting to me, there's certain elements of an organization that are more, they have a tendency to accept it more or understand it more. Like, okay, I understand how this interaction with my mm-hmm. prospect or customer could have caused some friction. And then there are other elements of the organization, perhaps just because of the way they focus, whether it be you know, finance, to tell somebody in finance, hey, the way you invoice creates an impression. I, I often see very confused looks on finance people's face when we start talking about customer experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think everyone's got to get on board on this customer experience and think about, you know, as your example, Chad, about the billing invoice, we've got to think of it from a customer perspective. We cannot, we can no longer think of it from an internal organizational perspective anymore, especially when there is that interface with the customer on that particular point. Well, and, and it's it's so it's gotten to the point where, like you said, there was always there was one channel to begin with, and now there's so many it's hard to keep track of all the time. I'm curious, mm-hmm. how have you found what have you found to be the most effective in terms of assessing your customer's perception of the customer experience or measuring it? Are there tools or techniques or approaches that you have found to be very successful in kind of setting that baseline for what the experience should be and measuring how the team's doing against it? Absolutely. So at DHL, uh, we do have an omni-channel approach to customers interfacing with them, with us. And the customer can provide us just about with any inquiry, any complaint, even a claim and so on and so forth. And the agents need to, be, need to ensure that they know how to handle every angle and every channel of the interface that we have with the customer. The key for us really is, uh, as I said before, Chad and I can't emphasize enough, is getting the right people to interact with the customer through these multiple channels, getting the right people doing the training, and then having internal KPIs that understand and allow us to analyze what are the main positives of what we're doing as well as the main challenges and the improvements that we need to make. That's very much from an internal perspective. From an external perspective, we do ensure that every at every touch point, we do give the customer an opportunity to feedback on the service. Now, we don't do that all the time because we don't want to upset the customer either or bombard the customer <laughs> sure. uh, with too much information. So what we do is... If a customer contacts us us regularly, on a a 30-day period, we send him or her just a little SMS and say, would you like to provide some feedback? And it's a very simple, straightforward way of uh, providing us with the feedback. It's an Uber-like response, one to five stars, a smiley or a sad face, (laughs) um, and then some comments that could be put in because we're very much aware that as much as we have things under control internally to provide a good service, whether then that reflects a good experience from a customer perspective or not, very much has to be provided from a, from a feedback perspective. And then, of course, we do have the, the traditional way of going 
to the customer and also asking them to respond from a net promoter perspective. So again, in summary, we look at it from an internal perspective, get our ducks in a row for that, and then ensure that externally the customer as is able to provide feedback and then we are able to continuously improve on our experience with the customer. Well, and it's a journey, right? I mean, the, the, the net promoter scores and those types of feedback loops that you have, first, you have to be very careful that you don't inundate them with those because that can create yes. friction. So how do you find that balance? But being able mm-hmm. to at least have that feedback loop, I would think allows your organization, if it's working in a in kind of an, an agile omni-channel fashion, to incorporate that mm-hmm. feedback quickly so that if, if there's an error or friction point that's discovered, then it can be addressed and not repeated. Is that kind of the hope and, and kind of the focus that we're going after with the feedback loops? Absolutely. And the feedback, again, you know, far too many organizations are concerned and I think overly concerned sometimes when they get negative feedback. For me, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to improve. And when we look at the improvements from an internal perspective, this is something that uh, I've tried to inculcate in the customer service organization that I run. It's when we get feedback, when we, ha- want, when we want to make changes and do things that are right for the customer, for the organization, we need to look at it, as you said, Chad, from an agile perspective, right? We, we've got to think, think things through. We've got to do the right thing and we've got to implement. But let's not get so hung up that we need to get it perfect before it's done. Uh, we need great to point. really have an agile approach to saying, okay, this is the issue. This is what we want to do. We thought through it. This is what we feel is the right approach and right solution for this issue. Put it in place, right? I always tell my people, just put it in place, get it done, and then get the feedback and then do the improvement from there. Don't be afraid to make changes. Don't wait until it's perfect. Don't take too long. So, you know, be sensitive from a time perspective. Do the right things think it through, but put it in place and then have continuous improvement. And as you say earlier, Chad, the customer will understand. They do understand that things can go wrong, but they are willing to go through that journey of change with us as long as we're honest with them and we're open and we are uh, agile and quick in responding and, and changing things. Well, and I think that probably comes back down just to the human nature of wanting to be heard, wanting to feel Mm -hmm. as if you're heard and and as if your perspective and feedback is important. I think it's challenging for organizations or has proven to be challenging in the past for global organizations to be responsive at the individual level, yet predictable enough at the global revenue level to drive the types of, Mm -hmm. of returns that they want to investors, it's been a very delicate balance. I just think we're seeing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're seeing more technology enablement that allows that to be the case and be a reality. Absolutely. I think uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of balancing costs, revenue, and margins for organizations and the investment in people, in training, in processes, in KPIs, but also in technology. But I'm a firm believer that if you've got the first components right, if you've got the right people, the right training, the right attitude and culture, then the technology comes in behind that in order to enhance that overall experience. 
Yeah, and it's and I'm curious when I'm sure like most organizations, you know, the Martech space, I think they're at over six thousand companies. So there's a heck of a lot of options for tools out there. And I'm sure that every organization goes through a learning process, which ones work best for their organization or actually deliver on their promises. I, I would love to understand kind of how you guys have settled on that technology, what technology you guys are currently using that you find the most flexible and a, and gives you the ability to really make that connection with the individuals and really have an impact on that CX? Mm. A good question, actually, Chad, and uh, quite a few angles so we could take on that. So, you know, I think the important thing for us was uh, our experience was to understand our strategy. You know, what is it we want to do the here and now vis-a-vis the future? And mm-hmm. from a logistics perspective, obviously, we've got to look at the business-to-business component as well as the business-to-customer component. And the interaction on that is uh, actually quite different. The customer experience is quite different. I think for us, it was also important to make sure that we had uh, our internal processes documented and understood and improved on. And we had the customer journey mapping done as well. And from there, I think we looked at um, what are our requirements for technology and we did our own research and we did, uh, you know, when we did this research, we did it from a dual perspective. We looked at startups as well and we looked at uh, the more traditional technology organizations and what they could provide. And the key was flexibility because we want to have an agile approach to this. And to be frank with you, Uh, the flexibility came more from the startups than the traditional uh, tech organizations. So what we've done is we've done quite a few tie-ups from a telephony perspective, from an omni-channel perspective, looking at self-help tools like chatbots and so on and so forth. So our experience really is get your internal ducks in a row, make sure you understand your processes, your requirements, then go out into the big wide world, and streamline, you know, who can provide solutions to the requirements, work with those organizations. And the other thing we found very uh, helpful was to actually have focus groups with organizations that were already using this technology and getting their feedback in terms of what was working for them, what wasn't working for them, how was their implementation journey what were the lessons learned, and so on and so forth. And a lot of organizations are actually quite helpful, and they are happy to share this information with you so that you it helps you along in your journey. Excellent. So how long, just out of curiosity, how long did that process take? Or once you guys decided, okay, we've got our strategy down, we're going to do our research. How long did you research before you started to engage with those companies and learn more about what kind of solutions they really had or what they could do versus, you know, digging through the marketing fluff? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it was, uh, you know, once we got, uh, as I said, uh, our internal house in order, We took about three months to have a look around, to have informal discussions with potential organizations. And once we had filtered and shortlisted a number of organizations, we then said to these organizations, can you please give us some business cases? Can you also let us interface with customers that are willing to do so in uh, who have purchased 
and are using your technology effectively. And, uh, you know, it took another month or so to reach out, to have these discussions with organizations that were using CRM, telephony, technology, and getting them to, you know, just advise us by email, via phone, what their thoughts were on this technology and just asking fairly direct questions and having the same set of questions that you would ask each of these organizations so that you could get a more synchronized view on their thoughts on the utilization of the technology. And what part of the process did you find, you know, I mean, it's always interesting, right? So you're focused on customer experience. You're focused on getting the right technology to enable your strategy. However, as you go through that process as a buyer, you're getting a taste of the experience that these other organizations are providing based on the way that they're selling and engaging with you. Yes. And so I'm curious right. how how that impacted perhaps your your decision or the or the ways that you interacted mm. with those organizations. Did that play any part in it? Oh, um, I think of course. I think uh, as humans, uh, you know, we do click with uh, certain people, and you know, at the end of the day, Chad, the products and services are fairly similar that these organizations were proposing to us. But I think the key was relationship, getting to know the person who will be supporting you, not only in the sales process, but the implementation process, the approach that that organization would take in terms of the pricing mechanism, the demo, the implementation, flexibility in terms of obviously from a cost perspective, but also uh, enhancing this is the, the platform version of the technology, but what else can we do? How else can we do it? And so on and so forth. So, you know, it's always about the relationship and the flexibility and the organization getting to know your business as well so that they understand where you're coming from, what your requirements are, and they push and they help you push those through. Excellent. And so may I, may I ask, what are you guys currently using? What is your, what's that tech stack look like? So we have, depending on, we've got seven markets across Asia at the moment, Chad. So from a telephony perspective, it's very much local telephony providers that we've gone for, primarily due to telecommunications costs that we want to manage. And then the CRM tool we're currently using is uh, Salesforce, Salesforce salesforce.com. That is primarily used in we see that from the time we've implemented Salesforce to what we're utilizing it for today and what we want to utilize it for in the future is, uh, you know, we, we do have a development path to take and sometime, I suppose, to get there as well. But it's an ongoing process and it's constantly working with Salesforce, for example, and ensuring that they understand where we're coming from, what we want to do the here and now and in the future, as well as how they can support and then the implementation. And of course, primary to everything is the cost and managing that. 
Sure. So Salesforce, usually when, when I talk to people, I'm, I'm used to Salesforce serving as kind of the, uh, call it system of record, the, the 360 degree view of your customers, but there's often, you know, other things on top of it, or, you know, maybe it's chat, but I, I honestly, I don't know we're, we're getting beyond my, I know Salesforce from a sales <laughs> perspective, but from a marketing yes. perspective, are they doing, are they providing you the chatbot functionality or the chat channel functionality? Are they providing the yes. email and all of that stuff? So they do provide the omni-channel interfaces that you can have. So they do provide, of course, this, you know, if it's a a call coming through, the agent will be able to register the inquiry. If it's an email, it automatically interfaces, Facebook, Twitter. The other interesting thing we're working with Salesforce and our internal development team is more and more customers, at least I can only speak in Asia, are using messaging tools like WhatsApp, like QQ in China, Line in Thailand, in order to interface with our contact center. And uh, we are now building that interface so that when a Line inquiry comes in, it automatically gets generated as an inquiry in Salesforce. And, uh, And then we can follow up and do communications via Salesforce uh, and Line as well. So this is an interesting part. They do provide the chatbot uh, solution as well. And that's something we are looking at uh, at this point in time. We are ascertaining whether the chatbot functionality is one thing, something we want to do internally or something we want to go um, via Salesforce on. And then Salesforce can also provide through the marketing cloud the ability, as we said, to Uh, get feedback from the customer after an inquiry is closed on Salesforce, an SMS can be sent to the customer to provide feedback. So that is something we're utilizing as well. Excellent. And so when we look at the future, I mean, it sounds like Salesforce becomes the core of it, but are there, I mean, I'm sure you're you're keeping eyes on, everybody has to these days, right? You're keeping eyes on kind of the new things coming out. What are you the most excited about that's on the horizon, technology-wise? Technology-wise, on the horizon, I think certainly virtual assistants, that's something that we're looking at. Chatbot, obviously, is part of it. I saw a very interesting video, and apologies, but I can't remember the name of it. But it's it's a, you know, instead of a, a virtual agent, it's actually a hologram of an agent on your phone. Oh, wow. Uh, sorry, on your uh, computer. It's a link that's sent to a customer a hologram comes up to explain to the customer, you know, say, for example, these are the changes to your contract vis-a-vis the last. So instead of reading through a contract, there's a hologram and artificial intelligence that's explaining things to you. And you can interact uh, with this hologram like you would interact with an agent. Of course, there are some limitations in terms of the analytics behind it, but that can be built on like a chatbot. But this is so much more interactive. And that, to me, I think is uh, going to be interesting for the future of customer experience. But I must say, Chad, that I don't think it will ever take away in terms of the more complicated inquiries going through the human element. Yeah. Uh, let's put it this way. <laughs> we're not, so we're not there the yet. <laughs> not there yet. Definitely not there yet. But there's certainly the transactional stuff, the more interactive stuff is coming and is being developed. But I think uh, certainly my money is on the table, uh, at least in my lifetime, 
that there will be still agents and specialized customer service agents to deal with um, the complexities of giving the customer the right answers as well as a great customer experience. But there's so much more out there that's being developed now, which is absolutely fantastic. Very, very interesting times for us as compared to the 80s and 90s when I first <laughs> entered the industry. <laughs> well, so much has changed since the 90s without a Absolutely. doubt. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply, as a revenue executive yourself, that makes you a prospect for sales professionals. And I'm always curious. Um, people are always trying to get a hold of or, or, or earn the right to talk to prospects. And I'm curious if there's no relationship, somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, but they believe there is an opportunity for them to provide something of value to you or your organization. What have you found to be the most effective with you in terms of capturing your attention and earning the right to say a 15 minute conversation? I think the individual, definitely. I am um, more of a face-to-face person. So when I meet the individual and uh, we have a connection, the individual is saying things that are sharp and succinct and they have understood my business before coming to see me or talk to me and they're talking things that are relevant. I think that certainly in the first 15 minutes of my conversation with vendors and salespeople will capture my attention. So it's about the individual, about their speech, about the relevance uh, of the speech, and then it's about the connection. Perfect. Okay, so last question. We call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional service people, one piece of advice that if they listened to, you believe would help them achieve their goals, crush your quotas, be more effective. What would that be and why? So do your homework, understand the organization and what is the approach that you want to take with that organization from a selling perspective. I think be genuine, be honest and uh, create a lasting lasting impression. I think that's going to be key because whether that person purchases something from you today or not is a different thing. But if you leave a lasting impression, that person will always remember you and will somehow reconnect with you and hopefully be a, a big customer. Excellent. Perfect. I appreciate the insight. Surrender, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. It's been a pleasure as well, Chad. So thank you for making this a very, a very easy first podcast for me. <laughs> Excellent. And if people <laughs> would like to re- uh, talk to you more about the topics we've talked about today, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? I think the easiest way would be uh, LinkedIn would be one way um, to get in touch initially. And then we could take the discussion on to email or phone from there. Excellent. Well, thank you again for the time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Chad. And you have a good evening. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers. You know the drill. If you like what you hear, do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we have Value Selling Associates. Wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.